Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an Espionation blog covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined by Pale Dragon. What's up, PD? Happy hockey hockey time is here. Yeah, I I am sitting here. I've got you on half my screen, and I've got an actual live Blue Jackets game on the other half of my computer screen. So uh, this is really real. It's happening. The Jackets are playing a game against another NHL team tonight. It's it's awesome. And I'm assuming, I just saw that the Penguins broadcast is the one doing that game, I guess, or at least the audio. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, correct. So you won't have to listen to that for the first period, I guess. But, I, <laughs> but at this point, we'll all take hockey regardless of who's calling games, I guess. But right. yeah, so of course this game will be over by the time this is up tomorrow or today, Tuesday. But uh, yeah, we're recording the first period I assume the first period is underway between Pittsburgh and Columbus. Yes, so correct. Good times. Preseason has already gotten off, but uh, big news. Blue Jackets last week came to a five-year agreement with Elvis Merslikin, so he'll make $27 million over the course of the deal. So basically, this, for all intents and purposes, solidifies Elvis as the number one netminder. We'll see how they kind of share the workload. I know Jonas Corposalo does have an ailment right now anyway, but... Uh, I would assume that Elvis will get the bulk of the time in net. However, that ratio will decide itself uh, as the season plays out, PD. Yeah, you know, the the team is saying all the right things about how, you know, playing time has to be earned. And, you know, with the way the schedule is, you know, there's going to be have to be a lot of balancing. You know, lots of teams do a, you know, 1A, 1B type situation just to ease the workload and all that. So the team's going to say that, but... Uh, I think everyone has to be well aware of what this contract means, and it means that the team is picking Elvis, that Elvis is the guy going forward, that Jonas Corposalo will most likely not be here next season and, you know, might not even be here at the end of the season. You know, and I think it, I, I ex- was excited about the news. Um, it was a bit, the timing was a bit unexpected, but. You know, you just add this to a number of other deals the team has made this year where they're making very clear who their core is. You know, it started with Oliver Bjorkstrand signing his extension before last season, you know, and right in the aftermath of P. 
PLD not wanting to be here, but Bjorkstrand committed. And then, um, you know, after trading Seth Jones, then Zach Wierenski committed in July. Um, and now we've got our goalie locked up. So we've got a, you know, a key forward, key defenseman, key goalie that have all done great things here already and who are going to be here for the next, uh, you know, five to six years, uh, which is great. Uh, it, may, it has to make you feel better about the Jackets long term, makes you feel better about the plan they have, about the core they have, about how they are building this team going forward. There are, I do see a little bit of risk here just because while Elvis has shown flashes, he has not yet put together a consistent season. Now, obviously, he hasn't been here for a full normal season, but. Um, you know, I want to see him stay healthy. I want to see him stay consistent, be able to put together a long, dominant stretch, not just a hot month or two. Um, so there's still a little bit of risk there with giving him this kind of deal. At the same time, for what he'll be making, you know, just over $5 million per year cap hit, that is very reasonable for even an average number one goaltender. So if that's all he ends up being, like that's fine. He's not, he wouldn't be overpaid at that. But if he becomes you know Vesna level like he wants to be, then it's a great deal and it's a steal for us. And and you know I'm happy about it just for for the person. He's an easy guy to root for. He's got a lot of personality. He loves being here. He's talked about how how comfortable he and his wife are here. Now that they've got their their son, they want to raise him here. He said his. Wife actually like, prefers Columbus to Switzerland, which is crazy, but uh, that's great. You know, and I think this summer too, with with the tragedy of losing his uh, his best friend, you know, I think the the fans in Columbus gave him a lot of support and comfort, and I think that meant a lot to him. And I think that was part of why he wants to stay here as well. And that's you know that kind of gives you a warm fuzzy feeling to know that there's this mutual affection between Elvis and the fans. Um, and you know, for Corpusalo, you know, I think it needs to be said, he's been great throughout all this. He's been nothing but a professional, you know, he was a backup behind Bobrovsky and waited his turn. You know, he's then split time with the Merzlikens and there's never been any protest on or any moping or anything like that. He's just come to work, done his job, supported his teammates, and he and he's at, and he had some great runs. You know, he he played really well in December of 2019. You know, earned a spot on the All Star team. Uh, he played really well in the bubble. You know, helped the Jackets beat Toronto. Had that you know amazing. Had some great games against Tampa as well. But again, he's just not been able to sustain a high ceiling either. Um, last season was especially rough for him. So I think if you have to pick between the two guys, I think the team. Picked the better guy or the guy with the higher ceiling, but you know, I I wish Corpusala well wherever he goes from here, and I think he deserves a starting opportunity somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I think the Jack should still look to trade him this season if they can. Uh, I think that as you get into uh, you get closer to the trade deadline, get into the middle of the season, some team may lose a goalie to injury, or there's a team that may find themselves in a playoff push and decide that they're, they don't trust their backup, you know, and they want some security. They want some insurance behind their primary goaltender. And they'd love to get a goalie that has playoff experience that can back them up because 
we've seen teams run into situations where their goalie gets hurt. And you look at like a team like Colorado has run into issues because they're, oh, shoot, their goalie got hurt. And then their second goalie got hurt and, you know, derailed a playoff run. So I think there's a team like that that would be willing to acquire Corpusalo at the deadline. Um, and if we can get like a mid-round draft pick for him, awesome. That's that's a win-win. I think everyone benefits from that. So, um, and again, and I, I, I hope that Corpusalo gets an opportunity like that. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, kind of a kind. It could be kind of risky, especially if Elvis has any injuries. You know, could always happen to anybody. But he's had some bad, bad luck there. Kind of like Jonas Corpusala, who has a lower body injury, and he ended the year last year with a lower body injury. So I know it's kind of mm-hmm. vague, but I don't know if it's the same exact ailment or something different. But uh, hopefully, he won't miss too much time. And I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be more. Do you think it'll be like a when they're both healthy? Do you think it'll be more of like a sixty forty or like a seventy thirty Elvis split? Or how do you think they might? I mean, I guess play might obviously dictate, but I would assume. Elvis is kind of the uh, you know the number one guy, even what they're saying kind of yeah, contradicts that. Yeah, I, I think I think it needs to be at least sixty forty. You know, the one thing that's tricky is that both of these goalies we've seen play a lot better when they are the guy, and they like to be playing lots of games in a row. But you know, I think it makes sense to you know split up back to backs, make sure no one's playing a three and four that sort of thing. Um, Although I do think that, um, you know, if it's maybe even Elvis playing every three games out of four, something like that, um, because he, and I think he does better as the workhorse than Corpy does. Corpy is better playing regularly, but we've also seen that when Corpy has to be the guy, like when Elvis got hurt, that, you know, fatigue sets in and that really uh, limits Corpy. Whereas we've seen Elvis be able to play longer by playing a lot of games and not have those ill effects. Um, so he might just be better, better conditioned or whatever. So, so that I, I do think he needs to get the bulk of the action, but yeah, back to backs, things like that. I think we're going to still see plenty of Corby. This will be the first 82 game season in what? Three years. I think at this point with the, <laughs> yeah. I, I know the first season you still had about 70 plus games in at that point when they went on their stoppage and then they resumed in the August and, and all that. But I kind of wondered this last year with baseball coming off of a 60 game season and going back to a full 162. Do you think there will be any uptick in injuries or fatigue? Or do you think that, you know, you had your off season players are used typically used to an 82 game season you think they'll just kind of seamlessly get back into the flow of things, or do you think there could be some weird adjustment period for certain guys? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. I, I think that will have an impact, even for veterans that have you know, obviously been through plenty of normal seasons. It's still been a while, so they still have to get their body conditioned to that. And it even before all of this, when players were used to the 82-game season, you'd still see guys hit a wall midway through the season you know it's just it's something that happens to most players um it's really hard to play an 82 game season so you get your your bumps and your scratches and you just get sometimes you know weak legs and you need some time to rest and recover now even though we say that this is a normal season of course we have the olympic break which you know throws the schedule into flux it you know means that some some parts of the schedule are compressed because of the big break. 
Uh, on the other hand, for the players that don't make the Olympics or opt out of the Olympics, they're going to get several weeks off. And I think some guys are going to benefit greatly from that. Just that chance, just that chance to recharge after having played, you know, 50 some games like they did back last season. Yeah, that's a good point. That, that will benefit some guys for sure. But, uh, Real fast before we go go on to the next topic, I was just thinking whether I'm watching a football game or a hockey game, I'm pretty. I, I think I I don't really think about it as much, but it is crazy to go to watch a guy get tackled or a guy get hit in hockey and just bounce back up. Obviously, they're conditioned and they're not <laughs> us or we're not them, but. Yeah. It is crazy when a guy can play a full 82 game or 80, 70 games, even a uh, full season, essentially a car crash type thing every night in terms of the contact that they're taking. So it is pretty interesting or pretty crazy and interesting how these guys are so well, well uh, conditioned to be able to, to withstand the impact, all kinds of, all kinds of impact really. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that is something that we take for granted. And actually I was listening to um, a podcast today that was talking about, uh, the Browns game on Sunday, and they mentioned a post-game comment from Odell Beckham um, talking about how, you know, his, uh, I forget what, exactly what the term was. It was. He used like a boxing term about his his legs being weak or something like that. And, um, you know, this is a guy who is just 10 months away from having ACL surgery, and this was his first game back from that. And he's obviously a tremendous athlete, and the fact that he was able to recover that quickly from that surgery speaks to his physical conditioning and just the, you know, what amazing shape he's in and just that his body is just a special athletic physical specimen that it can bounce back like that. But even with all that, and even with the work he's put in to get back into playing shape, there's no replacement for actually getting in there, playing a game, taking hits, and even just the fatigue of, you know, running up and down the field you know, like maybe his knee structurally is fine, but, you know, getting his cardio up to the level where he can get through the game or or the rest of his muscles being able to withstand that. So even the best athletes do sometimes run into these issues where they are tired or they are hurting. You know, it gets talked about a lot in hockey that, you know, even guys that play the full 82 games you know, they're not getting through it unscathed. They are playing through stuff. You know, that's just the, there's that saying that there's a difference between hurt and injured, you know, like they're all playing hurt by the time they get into the playoffs, but they're not injured. So they keep playing, but, but they're, they're feeling it. Cal Ripken Jr. Definitely had injuries. There was no way he was never <laughs> not hurting. Yep. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. On to the next topic. So Zach Ronaldo, basically he's not vaxxed, so he is not invited to training camp, or he's not with the big club. He will be, at least it sounds like he will. the expectation is that he will be in the AHL in Cleveland. So... I mean, if he's not vaxxed, I don't think he'll be playing for the Blue Jackets, the, the parent club anyway. And I was also thinking about this for uh, any other guys in, in, the, in the league. The fact that you have the border, for instance, I mean, you can't, mm -hmm. you know, you got the, uh, the quarantine. I think there was something like basically guys would miss essentially like, I don't know, it was two weeks exactly, but, you know, at least yeah. a week or so. It's just not feasible really to be able to play hockey. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, effectively, the players on American teams would not be able to go on the road trips into right. Canada. Right. So they would miss all the games in Canada. And yeah, and I'm, you know, and we'll see if Ronaldo even makes it to Cleveland. Because we, obviously we know that the Jackets are taking a, a pretty hardline stance on the vaccine issue, you know, that we talked last week about them uh, firing Sylvain Lefebvre. But it also, you know, other teams with maybe more high, higher profile players that are not vaccinated are still going through camp with the players. They're just, you know, abiding by the NHL protocols for unvaxxed players, uh, like Tyler Bertuzzi in Detroit, for example. But the Jackets were with Ronaldo are saying, no, you're, everyone else is vaccinated. You're not. You're not going to be part of our training camp. Now, I was wondering why they were saying, oh, well, he'll join the Monsters when their camp starts. Because, well, then you're, what, still willing to risk exposure for the players that are on the Monsters, a lot of whom you're going to want to call up to Columbus at some point. You also have... Um, you know, Coach Mike Eaves, who is over 65, so he's at risk. You have Mark Letestu as an assistant who had myocarditis a couple of years ago. Are you going to expose all those guys to an unvaxxed player? But based on something Yarmo said when he was asked about it, I have a feeling that they're waiting to see what the AHL protocols are, because I guess that hasn't been finalized yet. I would have to think that the AHL will put rules into place that are similar to the NHLs. And maybe at that point, the Jackets can use that to, you know, officially part ways with Ronaldo, maybe cut him, you know, maybe, maybe if, I don't know if there's cap implications, if they assign him to the AHL first, then they only owe him the AHL salary on his contract because he's on a two-way deal. So that'll save some money. I don't know. But, you know, at this point, I... I kind of don't want to deal with him at all, you know, because he is, he's just, he's just a guy, you know, he's not any, any special player. I don't know really why they bothered signing him in the first place. If it was just to have a goon that they could call up, doesn't feel worth it to me. And now you've got this headache. It's just not worth it. Now, you know, 
you do wonder what would happen if this were a more high profile player, what kind of decisions would that force them to make? But thankfully that's not a decision they have to make. And thankfully the important players have gone ahead and gotten vaccinated, but yeah, frustrating situation, disappointing situation. And, uh, I hope that we can move on from it pretty soon. Yeah, I know if this was any other high-profile player or if this was like a Zach Berensky type, right. I know that they would still be on the, the big club. They would have to go through the typical testing regimen. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Obviously, like I was saying before, or like what you were saying too, that uh, it, I mean, it's just it's just difficult to have a hockey team trying to play, especially with no matter who the guy is, but especially an important player and they can't really travel or at least travel as freely to Canada, for instance. And it's, that's a big hole in their lineup. Well, and, 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 and you know, the, the guys talked about how last season it was so difficult, you know, having to just be stuck in their hotel rooms when they went on road trips and they couldn't go out with their teammates and, and hang out off the ice and things like that. And if you're not vaccinated this season, you basically have to go back to that lifestyle. You know, whereas those who are vaccinated can go back to doing things like they did before. Uh, and I, it sounds like that that has been a really effective incentive that has gotten a lot of players that were previously hesitant to say like, OK, I'm going to get vaccinated so that I can have a normal season or, or guys like I'm going to get vaccinated because this is what is best for the team. You know, and this is a this is part of hockey culture, right, is that. You don't do things for the self. You do things for the team Um, or, you know, you go along with what the teammates are doing. And, you know, sometimes this can have toxic implications. But in this case, it's actually a good thing. Players and I think um, it's probably a good sign that the players on the team that are leaders, you know, got vaccinated and any young player maybe that was skeptical could look and see that, oh, Wierenski and Bjorkstrand and Nyquist or any of these guys, well, they got vaccinated. You know, a guy like Max Domi got vaccinated as soon as he could, you know, because of his health issues. And those players lead by example. And if they're doing it, it sends the message, hey, if I want to be part of this team, I need to be doing what they're doing. Or I see that they're doing it, it must be okay. So I'm going to go ahead and do it as well. You know, and, and so then it feels like, you know, Ronaldo not getting vaccinated is like he's he's not being part of the team culture in this case. So Blue Jackets training camp, obviously preseason's underway as we speak, and the training camp portion got started last week. So uh, I guess I'll ask you from a training camp perspective, what was maybe, obviously aside from the fact that it's just here, what was maybe exciting you? Or I know know we were looking at, you know, potential line combos, and we'll see how all that plays out. But I, I know like, you know, Cole Selinger, for instance, centering the Voracek line A line. Uh, no matter, I mean, I don't, who knows? I don't know if Cole's going to make the team out of camp, but that can only help him. And it gives the team, obviously, a chance to see what he can do with these guys. And it's it's cool experience for him to say, oh, I just centered this, this line in practice with these guys. But uh, yeah, what did you make of all this? Yeah, that, that one, of course, was, yeah, shocking when I saw that. That was certainly not what any of us expected. Now, you know, what the lines are in the first week of practice doesn't mean anything as far as opening day goes, but it does give you insight at least into what the coach, what the coaches are thinking, you know, that this was at least an idea that they had. 
and I think it, it sends the message that they're going to give Sillinger a genuine opportunity to make the team. And I think it says a lot like, okay, here are two of our best wingers, ones that we have high hopes for, but you know, this line needs a center and we're going to give you that shot to be that center. And you're going to get the first shot <laughs> of all the centers that we have in camp. You're the one that's getting first crack at this line. You know, now he might succeed in that role. He might not, but yeah. I think it's cool that he's getting the shot. Now, interestingly, he's in the lineup here Monday night in Pittsburgh, but those guys aren't. So I think he's back out there with um, with Chinnikov, and uh, it's hard to tell. And I've got sound off, so I don't know who else he's out, out there with. But um, so, yeah, we'll see. I have a feeling that we might see Sillinger in a lot of these preseason games just to give him as many reps as possible and as many looks as possible. Um, I think any of these guys that are sort of on the fence as to whether they'll make the team or not are going to get more chances in preseason games just so the coaches and the front office can see them in as many different types of game situations and different types of line combinations. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Sillinger uh, and Chinnikov in preseason. And I'm, I'm excited for that, you know. You know, I was uh I know this doesn't mean anything, but it's it's even so, it feels like as much as things change, it's still the same with the whole penguins have 10 shots, jackets have one shot, Josh Anderson scored a goal for Montreal. But anyway, but anyway, you know, none of that matters. I just I just had to mention that. You know, I was I was looking at some of the uh recent athletic article, was kind of catching up and just kind of skimming through some things earlier, but I was looking at the uh Brad Larson Q&A with Portsline and you know you're talking about lines Larson was you know talking about you know it's it's like this could seem like a, this line could be like a dream matchup and then it doesn't work at all and then this line just looks weird and then it works so it's just you know you never really know I always thought it was interesting honestly when I was younger going to hockey games uh I always thought it was interesting when uh you know quote unquote star player like I might have been at a Caps game and Ovechkin was on the second line or or he wasn't even starting mm. the game or they would start the game with a line and then as soon as the faceoff ends, they're off the ice. I always thought that was interesting with the way line combos can work in hockey or, you know, they start mixing up things. And I know we would get so annoyed with the the, the line blender over the last few years. But, you know, sometimes it just it's just you never know. Chemistry plays a certain role in how guys will play or, you know, certain guys just play better with others so yeah we'll see how the preseason and all these lines shape up but uh yeah it's so, so this is something interesting that just happened here so the jackets were on the penalty kill and sillinger and gregory hoffman were on the penalty kill uh which is very interesting to me because i feel like both of these guys were added for their offense um and yet here they're out there in a defensive role and and they did kill it which was interesting and, and so, yeah. Um, I didn't recognize the number, number, but Hoffman has been playing on the line with Sillinger at five on five tonight. I, I was just going to say that is interesting, actually, because I know defense is definitely a value that Larson wants to see from his centers. So no yeah. matter who you are offensively, you've got to be able to, to crack it defensively also. So that's a good opportunity for maybe Sillinger to show what he can do. Now, it's a penalty kill, but still, I mean, it's definitely a defensive presence there. Well, yeah, I mean, and then that's, I mean, every team around the league, yeah, you, you need defensive responsibility from your centers. And, you know, I think it's clear that Cole has offensive skill and perhaps 
offensive skill that is NHL level, NHL ready, but can he, is he strong enough physically? Is he sound enough defensively to be able, not just to be in the NHL, but also to play center at the NHL level? That's going to be a big test. And hopefully it's one that he's able to pass. Um, also along those lines, I saw that, and I believe it was Portsline that maybe wrote about, or uh, it was either Portsline or Jeff Sabota that wrote about how Mark Letestu yeah. spent the summer working with Jack Roslevic. It was Portsline, yeah. And so, obviously, Roslevic had a great season last year offensively, put up a lot of points for the Jackets, but defensively, was that was rough. And, you know, not up to the level that we would expect from one of our top centers. And I am excited to see him on the ice in preseason to see if that work has paid off, if he is any better defensively. I don't think he's ever going to be a Patrice Bergeron <laughs> on that uh, that part of the ice, but if he can at least be somewhat responsible, not be a liability defensively, uh, that'll go a long way to have him be a fixture as a top six center for this team. You were just saying how Roslovic could be better defensively. So hopefully we'll see some strides there in his game. But uh, I know also you were thinking that, uh, well, it, not that Roslovic couldn't be the one center, but uh, you were saying it might not be that he would be the center between Line and mm-hmm. Borchek. But uh, from Cole Sillinger's, from that standpoint, I feel like there's definitely an increasing opportunity for him to be on the team at some point this year. When do you think yeah. that might happen? If it's not out of camp, when do you think you might expect to see him? And not because of injury, but because in a normal, like in a real, in a perfect scenario, it's just because he's ready to come up. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I think, well, we know that there are three options that the Jackets have with him um, coming out of camp. They can send him to. Uh, his WHL team in Medicine Hat. Um, if they do that, then he's stuck there. Oh, and we have a, a jacket school. We're back. First of the preseason. And it was the Sillinger, Chinnikov, Hoffman line. I couldn't tell which one shot that win for the replay here. I know. Sorry, this is great podcast content. And that was, yeah, that was, that, that was Chinnikov. Wow. Uh, it was that wrister. From a pretty far distance, uh, that was above the circles, but it went through traffic, and gosh, I, 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 we talked about this last week about his time in Traverse City, but man, that shot is a thing of beauty. So, I mean, I think I think he's got to make the team out of camp. That shot is just too good. Got to find a way to make that work. Um, anyway, back to Sillinger. If they send him to the WHL, he he has to stay there for the whole season. I think based on what we've seen from him so far, I think like that. I think I feel like it would be a waste. I think he would be just too much better than his competition. That I don't know how much it would benefit his game. Um, so then it's just a question of does he start in Columbus or does he start in Cleveland? You know, I think I'd maybe even consider starting him in Columbus. You know, and seeing and if it doesn't work, then you can send him down and then let him work on some stuff in Cleveland. But at least then he'd have an idea of what he needs to work on by having faced NHL opponents for a few games you know so it's nice having the the option there that we can send him down as necessary and same would apply to, to a guy like chinnikov but um but uh, you know i i think i i would expect based on what we've seen so far i think we will see uh, a significant amount of cylinder in columbus this season yeah i almost feel like if a guy 
started, like a rookie started on the NHL roster and then went down just to work on some things. I wonder how much slower the AHL game feels by comparison or if it's oh, yeah. kind of, I mean, it's got to be, but I also wonder if maybe depending on their skill, I mean, not skill level, but depending on where they are, uh, maybe whether it's confidence or just where they are in their game at that point, it might not be as as much of a gap. But yeah, for, for, the, for the average player, the veteran, that's obviously the AHL is way slower. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so jackets are on top, and of course this will be over before <laughs> this will be over when everyone's listening. But we're leaving, yeah. we're leaving on a high well, note. For those listening, though, do keep in mind that we are in a stretcher of three straight nights with a Blue Jackets preseason game. So I believe the next two are on Tuesday, Wednesday, are both in Columbus. Um, obviously, we've got a there's sixty some players in camp, so you know not every player is going to be playing every game, but. Uh, I'm just excited to get a look at, at all of these different players, uh, especially these ones that are new to the team, like Gregory Hoffman, like Sillinger and Chinnikov. Um, so I'm, it's a lot of hockey <laughs> right away this week, but, uh, but I'm, I'm pumped for it. I hockey's here and, you know, the jackets have a lot of new things going on, but you know, they need, they needed the change and, and I'm excited to, to see this new path. We will end this podcast on a high note. The Jackets are winning right now, so <laughs> that's it. But no, uh, check us out at CBJ Cannon on Twitter and Facebook at JacketsCannon.com. As PD mentioned, lots of Blue Jacket games coming up this week and content and anything else that drops or breaks, of course, we'll have it. So keep it on JacketsCannon.com, and we will see you all next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts so you can catch every episode. Please leave us a five-star rating. Write a review. We love your feedback. Go to JacketsCanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out AngelaPearlie.com for more music and show dates.